We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman. And as always, joined by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. But today, we're joined by another uh, guest today as Robert Schmitz, editor-in-chief of the Bears blog, is on here to talk some Senior Bowl with us. Um, really excited for this one before we get into it today. Robert, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing well. What a kooky week in the wide world of the Chicago media land. If only because, I mean, not only do we have the Senior Bowl on hand, right? But also all these rumors about what the Bears are going to do up top at quarterback. It's uh, it's nev- it's a never-ending story, is it? <laughs> no, and, and now we're getting uh, the, the Bears' never-ending story of quarterback drama going to the Super Bowl week where we got some Bears media there and bombarding all the players with uh, Justin Fields and kills with really questions. It, it's it, it, it never really stops here. I think and <laughs> we're going to cover it a little bit today, but mostly we want to get your impressions on the Super Bowl because you were down there in Mobile, Alabama this past week. Uh, first of all, just generally, how was your experience this year? Because uh, you know me only went going down there one time. You know, I had a lot of fun doing it. I don't know. How many times have you been down there? Now I've been down there three, which three is times. great because you start okay. to get a, you start to get a good feel for how things work. I love it. I mean, it's yeah. so funny because every single year you're down there for a different reason. In this case, I was watching the skills, which did mean I watched quarterbacks, but it also meant a whole bunch of who threw that. I can't tell. Uh, just because by the time they threw the ball, the quarterback had turned around and walked and changed reps with somebody else. Right. But yeah. that said, it's always a great time to get to know people. I got to call or to I got to talk to and get to know Arifa's son, Derek Klassen, 
and a couple others, including a few even like scouts from other teams. But that was a whole that was a great time, grand old time and a funky time for evaluation, because, I mean, it's not long ago, Andrew, that I remember going to the senior bowl and being blown away with how well Malik Willis threw the ball in the rain and come to find out the guy will scramble at nearly the first sign of daylight because I didn't watch enough of the actual Liberty tape. I truly, because the Bears didn't need a quarterback, it's 2022, just watched the senior bowl, watched a little bit of tape on the quarterbacks and declared Malik Willis a first round pick and turned out to be laughably off there. So it's a funny week for quarterbacks, right? Because everybody wants a big takeaway. It's the where most people get to see these guys live, but it can be it can be very misleading in its way. Yeah, I would say that the big thing for me being down there the one time I was down there is it's always fun meeting uh meeting all the different people. Like I was down there, got to meet Nicholas Moriano, friend of the show here. Uh got to meet Jacob Infante, another friend of the show. Uh we had some fun times um hanging out the senior bowl that week uh for that for that year. But like you said, like I think it's funny because the senior bowl, it's always funny. The worst thing for me was always just like not knowing the helmet of the player. Right. So if you don't know the player, don't know the helmet, it's, you make things a little bit tough. There. And there's always that weird moment of like, oh, who, who's that guy? Like he did something pretty well. Like we should mm-hmm. probably keep an eye on him. Um, so and that's probably the most fun part of it. Um, but like you said, you also can't put too much stock into these practices as well because that's what they are. They're practices really in their um, – really like a control scrimmage environment. You know, you brought up the quarterbacks, Robert. Let's just get into that with our first question here because the quarterbacks was kind of, you know, one of the biggest storylines for the senior bowl was that we had a pretty, for most senior bowls, a pretty stacked group there in terms of on paper. You look like guys like Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr., guys who, you know, are getting some potential first-round buzz. So just from, you know, the Bears being in the market for a quarterback, as we know, uh, you know, what was your general impressions of the quarterbacks that were down there this year? So of all of the quarterbacks, I thought that Michael Penix looked the best, but that can't be a shocker because this environment was tailor-made for Michael Penix, who at best is a living jugs machine and at worst has the mobility of a living jugs machine, right? So the fact that he was placing the ball well, the fact that he was ripping it to corner routes, placing it deep, that just isn't surprising. I mean, I completely understand what Randy Muller talked about on the latest athletic football podcast about like, wow, the ball looked so good coming off his hand. Don't get me wrong. It did. Right. But a lot of Bo Nix's I okay, so I don't love a lot of this language, but this is what a lot of evaluators would say about Bo Nix. Right. A lot of that savvy, a lot of that pocket movement, a lot of that ability to read the field and get the ball to where it needed to go. Well, it's not going to show up in one-on-ones and even in team drills. I mean, these are seven on seven reps and I guess technically 11 on 11 reps, but they're 11 on 11 reps with a red Jersey on. Right. And so while I definitely don't think it was a banner week for Bo Nix and it wasn't, uh, I also think that the situation was going to be one that was relatively unfair to him. Even if Sam Hartman, maybe looked a little closer to Bo Nix than Bo would like to admit. Yeah. I mean, it is such an interesting dynamic here when we look at these quarterbacks, because, you know, you're looking at, and again, you look at some of the rosters just in general, the senior role of the last couple of years. I mean, I'm going to say this, right? We know how much Ryan Poles loves his senior role guys. Mm-hmm. You both look at, Darn all right. You look at Valus Jones Jr. Tyreek Stevenson was down there too last year, you know. And so you also add the fact in 
the the Bears had a couple, you know, assistants there too that were coaching both sides and coaching both teams. Um, but you know, let's just focus on the Bears here. After a week in Mobile, I mean, who are some players that you know fans absolutely need to know that maybe have flown under the radar? And I see you flexing your um, you know, rosters. list there. they give you rosters it's the easiest way to take all the different notes so it's so funny right because obviously everybody in the world of chicago bears is going to point out guys like jackson powers johnson and if anything i wonder i worry that jackson powers johnson played his way out of the bears ability to draft him unless should the bears go with the trade just honestly i guess this works with the trade down rate or the trade justin fields rate today we heard that adam schefter speculated the bears quote might get a first round pick i understand that's a lot right but if they did that pick might be exactly what you need to get a jpj type now i spent most of my time with the skills players and what was funny to me at least was seeing that a lot of these receivers that the bears can draft might go a little lower than i think i was expecting some of them to like Devontae walker for instance tez walker as he's often known i personally did not think he had a fabulous week he's got size he's got speed but he struggled a lot with drops which usually i don't care about but he dropped probably about 50 percent of the passes that he had down at the senior bowl and moreover that gave me the impression guys that Tez might struggle more with the physicality that the NFL corners are going to be able to apply to him and maintaining focus at the catch point after getting jammed at the line of scrimmage or everything else that may come with life in the NFL than you might have realized originally. I thought Lad McConkey looked great. The only thing that Lad has going against him is that Lad has body type at what is he? Let me check my uh, notes right here. Lad is six. Nope, he's 5'11. Uh, with what is that 511 and a half about 187 pounds and his arm length and hands are generally small these guys always slip about a half round at best or a full round lower than i think a lot of people will put them during draft media which might mean that mcconkey gets drafted somewhere in the 50s or 60s and if the bears have a pick there i want this kid he looks awesome I have no issues with Lad. It's just a matter of draft value and getting the Bears that big-time number two receiver, whatever that looks like, that I know I'm focused on. And there were a lot of sweet receiving options. I mean, I love half these guys. I could list you a laundry list of names, guys like Anaya Smith, guys like Ricky Pearsall, guys like – let me see. Who were some of the other third round types that I had over here? Uh, Jaquan Jackson is not a third round type, but he was a lot of fun. Leggett, I thought, had a rough week compared to what I think some people wanted to see from him. Outstanding looking athlete, but maybe a slightly lacking receiver, top to bottom. I thought Jamari Thrash looked like a lot of fun out of Louisville. Uh, really, really, really competitive player. I mean, you could feel it oozing out of his reps, but. All those names that you just heard are the kinds of names, Roman Wilson, another one, that you should expect a little later in the draft than the Bears are going to go hunting for that number that number two weapon. And unless they sign that guy in free agency, part of me just wonders, guys, okay, uh, if the Bears did double-dip at receiver, when is the earliest they're going to pick the second one? And I can't help thinking that the fourth round or fifth round is as early as that guy would get chosen. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I mean, double dipping at the receiver position, honestly, would be as good of a strategy as you could totally think cool of, right you know especially like if you look at like the bears like where they're at with their resources this offseason like could they get a wide receiver in free agency or the trade market to, to pair with dj more sure they could is that necessarily realistic though i don't know the more i go through scenarios it kind of it kind of feels less and less likely that we see a big name brought to the bears via that market so the draft is logically your way to go there right right and i i think the biggest names that you know, you kind of touched on there. McConkey, uh, Legat were kind of the two biggest ones, I think, for Bears fans going into the week that they were kind of following. I was following those two as kind of like second round targets. Roman Wilson has grown on me quite a bit the more I've kind of studied him. You know, he had that sick highlight catch that I saw yep. um, there. That was pretty sweet where he had that kind of reach behind, one handed sort of catch. Um, so I, I'm curious. I'm, I'm excited to kind of dive into his his tape a little bit more, see what he kind of brings to the table. Um, you know, and kind of touching on that note, like looking at the positives here, you know, not even just for like the bears necessarily, but just who were the general like winners from this week, you know, just in terms of like guys who, you know, we talk about Jackson powers, Johnson established himself as like kind of that first round, maybe first center off the board type of guy, but even like smaller school guys who have seen their stock really rise, you know, who were some of the winners for you this week? So it's funny, right? Because I have to reach around and just take a look at all the uh, the the guys that I don't and watch a second of them, right? Because we got to talk trenches at least a little bit. And I know Quentin Crisco, Buckus stats on Twitter couldn't stop talking about Bo Limmer out of Arkansas. Uh, Tyler Guyton got a ton of play at the at the Senior Bowl. He did really well. Patrick Paul, I think out of Houston, was somebody that the guys were going on and on and on about. Plus then on the defensive line side, I mean, Tavondre Sweat, I actually can't speak to him. I think it was Braden Fiske that played pretty well and Darius Robinson, but truly put an asterisk in your brain on all these names that I'm mentioning because – <laughs> I didn't watch them. So I'm I'm thinking about who did I remember them talking about? They talked about Michael Hall. Zach Frazier obviously stands out, but he didn't play there. Like there are all kinds of O-line and D-line that looked really good. And it's worth checking out the Building the Board podcast if you want to hear about them. From a corner perspective, a lot of these guys were awesome. I mean, Max Melton out of Rutgers was great. I thought two corners that I'd never heard of before, Carlton Johnson out of Fresno State and Jarvis Brownlee out of Louisville had fabulous weekends. Andrew Phillips out of Kentucky played really well. I thought he was just going to be a nickel coming in, but he looked like, at least at the Senior Bowl, he had the size to compete on the outside, even if that compete might just be in a depth role where maybe you're a nickel that can kick out if if people get hurt now and again. I mean, this to me, the winners really were these DBs. 
which might be a take that maybe not everybody shares, right? But we came in, I think, expecting a lot more from these wide receivers, and the receivers tried to bring it. It was just that the DBs made plays. Quinion Mitchell was probably one of the biggest winners of the weekend. I can't go, uh, I can't go a podcast without mentioning his name, but he's just not somebody that the Bears are going to be in position to draft more than likely. Because I have a feeling he'll go first round after a weekend or after a week like that. And the Bears just aren't looking for a first round corner right now. If anything, Andrew and Usaid, part of me wonders if the Bears are interested in somebody that's more of a third or fourth round, like an early fourth round corner that maybe they could add to the room, keep his depth and Hey, worst case scenario, maybe he's somebody who's ready to step in and replace Jalen Johnson. If Jalen Johnson, after a year on the tag, doesn't want to be in Chicago anymore, but you know, we don't want to think those thoughts because we love Jalen. So the DBs I thought were a lot of fun. We could also talk about safeties, even though the safeties didn't really have a chance to showcase much, but I'm really, really happy with the way that this safety class is rounding out. I think there would be all kinds of options for the bears at 75. Yeah. I mean, the DBs in general are just so deep this year. It's, it's kind of like wide receiver, right? In the sense that you get lost and you can have a thousand different simulations in terms of, okay, who's really going to be the fit inside whatever Shane Waldron's going to do, but also, you know, how is this week in mobile going to shake things up? And, you know, you mentioned the winners there. How about some players whose stock really dipped because Ooh. it's, this is to me, right in mobile. It's like one of the make or break events of the draft process where, you know, this is kind of where you get your name on the radar for the combine or you completely fall off and you're sort of forgotten about in a sense. Right. So at this point, at least when I look at it, the, uh, the losers that I saw were guys like Jacob Cowling uh, out of Arizona, wide receiver, relatively small guy, but he's got some juice. He had an opportunity to really explode at the senior bowl because there's always a short king and it just wasn't him. That honor went to Jaquan Jackson this year. But the guys that I think pop really obviously, I thought Devontae Walker had a chance to establish himself like really establish himself. And I think he missed on it. Uh, I think that another one would be Caitlin King corner out of Penn state. He had an opportunity to show that he was one of the best corners in football. Instead, he looked a lot more like Darion Kendrick from two years ago's Georgia squad. If you can remember that far back where he also had a tough, tough week at the senior bowl and suddenly fell from some mocks at the time mocks around now are historically historically unreliable but mox at that time had him near the bottom of the second he ends up getting drafted in the sixth round i really thought Leggett had an opportunity to look like an athletically dominant force right you had johnny wilson you had lad mcconkey you had uh, and, and i don't know of how much we really expected out of a guy like johnny wilson but hey that's a big athlete that's right there and instead Leggett gave us one poor day one very middling day and then didn't play the third day and this was all with his quarterback having the opportunity to throw him the ball. I mean, maybe I'm putting too much stock in that. But with Ritter there, I expected Leggett to have an opportunity to really shine. Even if, I don't want to call it artificially, but he's cheating in a sense, right? He's got way more chemistry with his quarterback than anybody else there does. But instead, it was McConkey. I mean, it was Thrash. It was a lot of these tight ends. Ben Sinnott looked awesome. I thought Jared Wiley looked awesome. If the Bears had the extra draft capital to draft one of these tight ends, I'm all over it, especially if one actually falls. I just don't know that they're going to. Uh, but you talk about losers. To me, it was it was those guys. 
I mean, a lot of people won. It, it felt uncommon to really truly lose at the senior bowl because it's not like I'm about to tell you that it's the Southern best kid. Uh, I, I'm just not going to look you guys in the eyes and tell you that the he's a receiver named Ryan Flournoy was a loser because he looked like a kid from Southern Mississippi playing with a whole bunch of SEC kids. So I don't know. Losers are tough to peg. Right, but I can tell you that there were a couple guys that I expected to capitalize on the moment that I just didn't think they did. Yeah, I think the, for me the alarm bells kind of went off for Leggett when he came to uh, you know measuring day. You know they measured his height, six foot one, two hundred what was it, two hundred twenty three pounds, something like that. And for a guy who's kind of billed as being this physically dominant big wide receiver, and I mean that's part of his game is him just being bigger, stronger, faster than other guys out there, right. You know, you'd like to see him have more of that size speed, you know, weight com- uh, combination, um, you know, that gives you co- sort of that AJ Brown, uh, DK Metcalf comps where you can kind of be able to see how that works in the NFL. Um, so yeah, for me, like the, the red, I wouldn't say red flags, but just like, okay, got to kind of, you know, square that away and, and see how that goes throughout the process. And that was something that kind of popped up for me and, and Walker, it's kind of interesting because like he had really kind of a, a really rough last season because he had the whole thing with the NCAA not yep. letting him play early on, which kind of affected his rhythm with Drake May during his final season there, kind of transferring there. And so you could just tell like watching those guys play together that it was just kind of like weren't really on the same page as last year. So I'm really curious to see, you know, after the senior bowl where his stock ends up when it's all said and done, but look, I mean, one of the draws of the senior bowl, you know, goes beyond uh, what just goes on at the practices and stuff, uh, Robert, because as we know that you're talking to a lot of people down there as well, yeah. getting to meet a lot of people. Um, and we can kind of tie this into kind of the discussion around the bears and the first overall picks. So, um, you know, based off of, you know, I, I know you've been saying like you've been running them to a lot of people down there. Um, you know, whenever you talk to anybody down there about what the Bears can be doing with the first pick uh, in this upcoming draft, Robert, what's kind of the vibe that you're getting based off the conversation that you had down well, in Okay, so, Andrew, to me, one of the funniest parts about this conversation, right, is that there's a difference between being a Bears writer and effectively appealing to a public forum and then talking to everybody else because not a, a lot of other people around the league do not see this as much of a choice. Like at least in, and that's not me trying to just dunk per se on Justin Fields. It's more that a lot of other people see Caleb Williams as an outstanding quarterback prospect and they see Justin Fields as a quarterback on his third or that's already completed his third season that let's use the nicest language possible. At this point, he is all projection at the next or as far as what you would hope to do next season. You're expecting a large jump that doesn't historically happen. It doesn't mean that it can't. Nothing's impossible, right? And we don't know exactly what Ryan Poles wants to do, but you can hear all the backpedaling that I'm saying, right? Like we're talking about something that is not a given by any stretch of the imagination. If anything, it's unlikely, especially based on what we've seen on film least in my opinion. But a lot of people at the Senior Bowl tended to share that. I mean, I can't speak for what thing people are saying on the NFL side. I mean, you get the NFL side with all the scouts and Ryan Poles and the coaches, et cetera, et cetera. And then you get the media side. And so I'm talking to other opinionated people. And maybe they've heard something. Maybe they haven't. They're not telling Robert Schmitz, right? So 
the gist though was that it was nearly unanimous. I mean, everybody's seen all the tweets from guys like Pelicero, guys like Orlovsky, guys like I mean, honestly, pick your poison. Nearly anybody who tweeted about the senior bowl talked about how, quote, the vibe around the senior bowl is that the Bears are going to pick number one, end quote. And I I tend to side with that and have since the Bears ended up locking up number one at number 17, but I'm not trying to start any fights. I understand that more than anything for a lot of Bears fans, this is moving on, classically speaking, a year early, right? And in the NFL, Andrew and Usaid, you're either a year early or you're a year late. And so I get that this is still that year early. This feels unfinished. Right. And so even if Justin Fields hasn't proven that he could, why can't he finish his deal if Mitch got the ability to do so? I completely understand the disparity there. But this does feel to me like a chance that you can't pass up, assuming that the interviews check out, which is always an assumption. But that's something that I simply won't have access to. Neither of you guys will either. So all my evaluation has to come off of is the tape. And the tape is absolutely good enough, if you ask me. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, and it's it's crazy you mentioned that because I look at this entire situation and I say, like, listen, I see arguments for number one and I see arguments for number 13. But also, if I just put on my fake Ryan Paul's hat, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, OK, I already tried to make it work with a quarterback who I did not necessarily inherit. I have seen what having a top quarterback in this league can do. I've kind of been through the process with the Kansas City Chiefs because let's just call it how it is, sitting here six, seven, eight years later. I mean, we all know the Chiefs' evaluation of Mahomes was about as thorough as it can get and as we've seen for a quarterback. Um, But, you know, really the big thing is this, is you're looking at this and you're saying, and I've kind of consistently thrown this question out there and I tend not to really tweet about the Fields versus Williams stuff. Um, I do occasionally, but one of the things I said is, okay, three to four years in, if you are comparing a Drake May or a Caleb Williams to a Justin Fields, do you believe that Williams or May can be better than Justin Fields heading into and at the end of year three? If so, then it's probably going to be an easy decision for you to go ahead and make. But then I also look at where the bears are at in terms of their roster. And I go ahead and I say, okay, you can have Justin Fields or Caleb Williams, whoever's under center for you next year, but their roster moves just show that they're going to overhaul the offense this off season and quarterbacks can be a part of it to really help set the team up for the next basically three to five years. I think so. I mean, at the end of the day, in, in my opinion, who said this comes down to in 2027, who's the quarterback and try to make a move that lands you with the quarterback that you start 2024 with starting in 2027, be that Justin Fields or Caleb Williams. I believe personally 
that all of the all of the nice words and all of the projection and all of the possibility in the world with Justin Fields still still leaves fans relatively uneasy about whether he's going to be the guy in in 2025 because 2024 is easy right but plenty of people will use phrases like well okay say he doesn't work out then you can do blank and then at that point you're trying to do something that mm-hmm. historically i don't know if you guys follow dave kluge of football guys but he put together some work that showed just how unlikely it is after the first overall pick to draft a quarterback that throws for four or for about 4000 yards and based on his research it's about a 1 in 5 chance uh, after pick number 1 that includes pick number 2 by the way, or you can get about a 65 to 70% chance of a quarterback that will throw for 4,000 yards under the, or under the terms of his rookie contract. If you take them at number one, quarterback scouting is notoriously hard, but I personally can't help believing Usaid just based on sure the tape we've watched, but also scarcity of resources and basic economic principles like that, that we can generally get one of them, right? Usually, right? The first one off the board, is more often than not, I'm going to use a boring example. It's more often than not a Baker Mayfield, who at least makes a Pro Bowl, than it is a Josh Rosen. But the moment you start digging through the rest of everybody else, looking for the best of the rest, whether that's the best, the second best, the third best, the fourth best, that's when you start to get into territory that I, as a Chicago fan, have lived in my entire life. And so for as for as much as I know, there are fans out there that are terrified of, well, what happens if Caleb busts? Part of me actually would find it much more harrowing to try to live through a Bears age. This is, again, my personal opinion. The Bears had Marvin Harrison Jr. They added a Talis Turner level edge in the draft next year. They added a sweet offensive lineman, and we were running through quarterbacks like Andy Dalton and whoever we could get on the free agent market. And maybe it's Justin Fields. Maybe it isn't Justin Fields. Maybe we extend Justin Fields because we squeeze into the playoffs, even though we generally know that it's a little closer to a Daniel Jones situation than it is even a Baker Mayfield situation. Maybe Baker Mayfield is the next Daniel Jones situation. I could believe anything. This is. It feels like Usaid for the last 15, 20 years, this has been a league of quarterback haves and quarterback have nots. And I can't help but think that the uncertainty that Justin Fields presents for the future scares me a lot more than the opportunity cost of picking Caleb Williams. I understand that's a whole bunch of first round picks, but I would be much more content, at least hoping that we've taken the data-driven approach to go get a Kyler Murray-esque player that might be better than that. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, it isn't, it's an, it's a game of odds, right? And what's your odds of, you know, and, and really what you want to do is if you have an opportunity to get that top shelf, you know, high end quarterback, can you get that guy? And, and you know, we're going to be getting into the valuations of these guys as we get further along into the process here. Um, I'm curious, Robert, you know, last major question we have for you, because I know you got some busy stuff to get to tonight. No um, but, uh, you know, just based off of your evaluation, let's, let's just stick with the top two quarterbacks right here, Caleb and, and Drake May. You know, when you look at these two guys, you know, what is your kind of initial take on them as prospects? What are some of the things that you like about them? And, you know, what are some of the concerns that you have for both these guys? Because both of them, I think, are, are fantastic prospects. Um, and I'm excited to kind of complete my kind of evaluation on them. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm just kind of curious, like, where are you at uh, where, with these two guys as of right now? 
Yeah, they're a lot of fun to talk about, aren't they? I think it's easiest to start with Drake May, if you don't mind, because let's pretend for a moment that Caleb Williams simply doesn't exist, right? I think Drake May would be good enough to be taken first overall, and I frankly think that because Caleb Williams exists, we're seeing this media direction where we're going to paint Drake as the faller, and then, oh, shocker, he's going to have an awesome pro day, and shocker, he's going to test pretty well, and shocker, he's going to interview pretty well, and suddenly he's going to end up picked at number two. At least that's what I think right now, because Drake May has some of the best physical tools that are in this draft class right now. Not only is he, what is he, 6'3", 6'4", at least based on the current measurements we have. He hits your height thresh, er, thresholds. He hits your weight thresholds. He can throw the ball a country mile. He attacks tight windows with what would look like reckless abandon outside of the fact that he has one of the lowest turnover worthy throw percentages in college sports. And he does all of that while still being aggressive and has done so over time. I mean, it shows up on the film. It's not just numbers on a piece of paper. He has the ability to do Josh Allen-esque creative things. Everybody's seen the left-handed pass. Everybody's seen him run into the end zone. The only concern I have with them is that I tend to look at Drake and see a product of a kid that takes coaching really well. I believe Drake is an outstandingly hard worker. I believe Drake has truly taken and applied what his quarterback coaches have taught him. I just... I'm having trouble discerning what is feel and what is repetition. To use an example, Drake May has an uncanny habit of when he takes the snap, he will pocket drift in the direction of his throw. And depending on where pressure comes from, that might look like an outstanding awareness of where you're getting pressured from and a quick drift away from it so that you can drill a shot down the sidelines. Or he runs into a sack. And it, it varies snap to snap. And I tend to think that in lieu of any extra information, that Drake doesn't feel it so much as he's taught himself to imitate what feeling it would look like. And I see that as a very positive, or at least it's a better trait than outright bad, right? We've seen plenty of guys that won't move off their spot at all. Drake will move. Drake seems coachable. Drake strikes me as a lot more Justin Herbert than he does Josh Allen. And I tend to think he could be an extraordinarily successful quarterback in the league, just maybe not top three, right? And then you get to Caleb. And everything that I said about Drake doesn't exactly apply to Caleb because Caleb breaks all the rules. Like, whereas with Drake, you can see the product of intense coaching. With Caleb, you see near savant level tools and arm angles that defy what quarterbacks should be able to do. For all that guys like Nate Tice at The Athletic will talk about how Drake has the arm to no-step throws 65 yards downfield. Caleb can do everything exactly the same way, and he's smaller, so frankly, it looks more alien. Like, Caleb Williams's tape is sometimes total nonsense. I mean, even when you're looking at Oregon, where he steps up in the pot, he gets to the back of the pocket, immediately steps up in the pocket, pocket movement is just a natural trait to him. And then he does a full sprinting circle because he attacks the left side C-gap, doesn't like it, works all the way back to the other side of the field, doesn't like that, circles back in the pocket, then leaks out to the right, then puts his foot in the ground, dives upfield. All of this is on third and five, by the way, and puts the ball at the two-yard line to set up what ends up being a touchdown run. There's some of this stuff where you watch Caleb and you're like, well, that won't work in the NFL, except for the fact that, well, there are two guys in the NFL that did this forever. And that's a guy who wore number 12 that we grew up with and a guy wearing number 15 in Kansas City. There are numbers for Caleb that defy explanation. 
Like for instance, a friend of mine, he, he goes by start Kyle Orton on Twitter. He did a long, a set of analyses on Caleb Williams's scrambled time to throw. Who said, I'm going to bring you in on this. Uh, what would you guess is a normal time to throw on throws where you scrambled and then threw the ball? Use Patrick Mahomes. Take a shot in the dark. I mean, I'm going to say honestly from, and again, this is my coaching perspective coming in mm-hmm. here too, but I'm going to say like you have max like two and a half to three and a half seconds at most. Right. So your average time when you scrambled. So we take out all the ones where you played within structure. Two and a half to three seconds. Yeah. So Mahomes, it's about four and a half, right? Lamar Jackson, it's about 4.8 seconds. Then what is it? Uh, Josh Allen, he's a little higher. He's about five. And then Kyler Murray is one of the highest that you'll find. He's about 5.58 seconds, right? Except for Caleb, who is at 6.58 seconds average time to throw on scrambling throws. It's a smoking gun. I mean, you see this all over Caleb's film. His ability, his awareness, coupled with his movement kit, makes him one of the most survivable quarterbacks that we've seen in college football. How will it translate? It's hard to tell, but the guy simply refuses to throw the ball away unless he absolutely has to. And it's why you see all these shots along the sidelines, everything from him tossing the ball overhead to throwing the ball underhanded to running up along the sidelines to shot put basically shot putting throws or the thing you've seen before where he skies into the air like he's Derek Jeter and laces a 25 to 30 yard ball that dots along the sidelines that a receiver catches one foot and he's out of bounds. I mean, Caleb Williams takes a bunch of sacks because he simply refuses to give up on plays. It's like he's shaking his fist at destiny sometimes. And I think the perfect word, I saw this on Twitter today, Andrew, is unique. It's hard to tell whether Caleb Williams is going to be good. He might be. I mean, he might be one of the best. But he's definitely his own thing. And that makes him tough to project. But that release, that willingness to attack all areas of the field, throws well over the middle, throws well to his right, throws well to his left. I think he's less less classically accurate than Drake May. But I also think that the USC offense being a mess had something to do with that. And if you roll back to 2022, you see some of the best quarterbacking tape that you're going to find. So we have one very good year and one absolutely outstanding year of tape. It's hard for me to not feel a gap between Drake and Caleb, even though I think Drake is worth the first overall pick in a normal year, but hope I didn't take up too much time. That's at least what I'm saying. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, taking as much time as a Caleb Williams scramble here, right? Just about. <laughs> Just about. But uh, yeah, no, no, it, it's all all good stuff. I, I think, you know, with Caleb, you know, what stands out to, the most to me right now is just the the creativity that he has, you know, the wherewithal to know how to get throws off when there isn't necessarily windows open to get throws uh, through spaces and you know, his ability to kind of find angles that, that he can kind of fit balls through and around defenders. Um, and, I, you know, when we all talk about the off-schedule stuff, I think he's a better in-structure 
player as well, then I think he gets a lot of credit for as well. So um, he's, he's like you said, like he's, he's a really weird kind of study to kind of pin down for a, a comp because we all know about the, the uh, Patrick Mahomes comps. He's got a lot of Kyler Murray comps as well, kind of like a bigger, stockier Kyler Murray is what a lot of a lot of draft picks like to compare him to. Um, I've seen even comparisons to Josh Allen because he's he's kind of got that wild man streak to him where he'll just um, you know he'll put some balls at risk, especially the, the fumbling is, is a big issue for oh, him. Yeah. I think he's going to have to clean up at the next level. You cannot survive having as many fumbles as he did no. this last year, but. You know, you brought up one that I thought was very interesting, and that was Aaron Rodgers. And we kind of saw a lot of that with Aaron Rodgers, especially during the McCarthy years. You know, not maybe as much with Lafleur, but Lafleur was able to do a better job, I think, of getting Rodgers to kind of consistently get the ball out and play within structure a little bit more. Um, but Rodgers had that trait too, where like he would have stuff open in structure, but he would simply refuse to take some of the short stuff because he's always looking to be greedy and, and get stuff you know, down the field and that got into trouble. Sometimes he would take a lot of sacks, even though typically he's not a guy that like holds the ball on too long because he's like not processing or anything. It's just that he's just looking for the big play and, you know, wants to, you know, to see it through to the very end. Right. And right. I think, I think there's a lot of that with Caleb where he's kind of on that. I, I kind of, uh, you know, that video, Marcus Whitman for, uh, uh, the franchise guy made a great video on Caleb Williams where he kind of described it as like that, that yellow spectrum where you got James mm-hmm. Winston on one side and Rogers on the other. Right. Um, and, and Caleb Williams is somewhere in between there somewhere where yes, he has, you know, that trait where he's going to throw some pretty bad throws and, and make some bad decisions. But also, you know, he does do a pretty good job of taking care of the ball while still, you know, having these spectacular, just absurd, you know, plays, on film that like you you say like sure will it translate to the next level i i don't know we'll see what happens but i'm more than happy to see and find out (laughs) you know what i mean because the physical talent is just it really does jump off the film um when watching him but yep the other thing if you don't mind me adding on that i think is wild to think about so for years, I mean, both of all three of us have been covering the league for at least about five years at this point. So we remember back in the one high days when guys like Ben Baldwin and other hashtag nerds, of which I claim to be one, would talk about how important chunk plays were to the health of an offense. And the irony is, is that I think the Bears are coming away from a quarterback who is a living, breathing chunk play. Justin Fields, when you scale, when you go to rbsdm.com, which is just a great stat site built by Ben Baldwin, and you minimize the quarterback plays to about 100 valid plays, you're going to get a list of about 46 quarterbacks, of which Justin Fields is 40th in success rate. In EPA per play, he's much higher. He's much closer to, I think it's like 26th. But in terms of the, in terms of the percentage of plays that Justin Fields was able to get some yardage on, enough to be considered successful, there's a whole thing, we don't need to get into it. Justin was pretty poor. Whereas when you look at somebody like Caleb Williams, I imagine, Andrew, the hope is the success rate never, it never needs to be top five. You'd love for it to be, but you're probably going to end up with a success rate if, if Caleb Williams is everything we hope he is around 10th 
right? But you're going to get the explosives that charge an offense and drive you downfield the same way that we saw Justin Fields manage an offense that was well outside of the bottom five for both of the last two years because those explosive plays create points. It is that simple sometimes. Tyson Bajan, for instance, he was top 15, if you can believe it, who said top 12, actually, in success rate, but turnovers will kill you. And it's why Tyson Bajan's offense, mm-hmm. I believe, averaged less than Justin Fields' offense under any circumstance. Caleb's, Caleb's like, screw what's in structure attitude won't work in its extreme form. But if theoretically Shane Waldron, who comes from a McVeigh background and such that likes running the ball at least a normal amount, if Caleb could get buoyed by an NFL-level run game and enough what would you call it structure around him to incentivize a quick throw to DJ Moore that then turns into yak. You're going to get the occasional play. That's going to remind you of what a guy wearing 12 did in white, yellow and uh, white, yellow and green, where the moment you knew Rogers was holding the ball was the moment you grip or what is it? The moment that you felt that knot in your stomach because you knew the big shot was coming. Normally, Bears fans have gotten used to when Mitch or, frankly, Justin stays in the pocket for a while. The best you're going to get is a Justin Fields run. Might be a touchdown, but you're usually not seeing these big shots downfield. But they are an every game occurrence in Caleb Williams tape where you see him hang onto the ball and you say, okay, Caleb, what are you going to do with it? Because once you get past those first couple seconds, I mean, Caleb is truly so elusive that as many people say, yeah, defensive linemen are just going to catch him. I don't know. I think he might run a four, a four, five, four, six. And there are a lot of defensive linemen that can't quite run that, especially on Sunday. Yeah. And I'm going to say this, you listen to Matt Eberflus talk at that post season or end of season presser. I'm sorry. Um, and it's very clear, like his comments were, Hey, we want someone as an offensive coordinator who is going to be more explosive in terms of pushing the ball down the field. And it sounds like they want that breed of quarterback too. That's actually going to push it down the field through the air and not necessarily their legs. And to me, that just screams, Hey, we need someone who's not afraid to take that shot, which is effectively Caleb Williams. Absolutely. I can't, I can't wait. Honestly, the only real impediment that we have right now is the fact that we just don't know. And so there's only so much stuff that you can make, Usaid, Andrew, about Caleb Williams, Justin Fields right now, because we're in the lurch. And so, I mean, nothing's impossible. If Washington truly throws three first round picks, two second round picks at Terry McLaurin at Justin or at uh, Ryan Poles just to swap number one and number two, uh, I mean, all bets are off right? How bad does Washington really want this thing? Are they willing to nearly sink their franchise just so that they can get their quarterback? And frankly, would polls entertain that or under what circumstances would he ride with Justin? Man, I'm not going to pretend to know. I think that they're, I think all things being equal, assuming franchises act normally and one franchise doesn't overexpose themselves, the bears are going to draft it number one, but a franchise getting wild and crazy is never out of the question. It's happened before. And if the Bears can get a Dave Tepper level offer, uh, or and by that I mean like a Bryce Young offer, but it's scaled up to match the hype of Caleb Williams. <sighs> Part of me just hopes value fiend polls, like keeps it in his pocket. Don't do it. <laughs> just end the quarterback carousel. But I don't want to pretend that Caleb is truly that sure of a thing. Yeah, because I mean, look, you can say that like 
you know, some prospects are can't miss. I mean, there really isn't a, a sure thing prospect, you know, even like Andrew Luck, there was potential for him to, to miss. And he was about as can't miss a prospect that I've ever seen, especially at the quarterback position. Like Andrew Luck had every, everything you could possibly ask for in a quarterback prospect. And, you know, even a lot of people would say that, you know, his career wound up being a little bit of a disappointment, even though he was so, so awesome for, you know, the, the brief time that we were able to get him in the NFL. Um, but yeah, speaking of uh, Twitter, I mean, it's just, I, I think the most excruciating part is just going to be the waiting game and all the daily debates that I'm sure that you see on your feed all day long um, with this stuff. It's, it's, that's the part of it that, you know, it's, it's frustrating for me to watch through and quite frankly, and you know, I, I wish we could kind of get a simulator on here and just get to that point to where a decision is made and we can kind of move on and discuss the possibilities of what's going to be coming next with whatever decision the bears end up making. Um, but, you know, ultimately, um, you know, Robert, it, it's been great having you on. I, I know you got some stuff to get to tonight. So Thank you. we'll, uh, we'll get you onto that before we let you go, man. Um, you know, where can our listeners follow you and where can they, where can they find your work? Yeah, you can find my work. I mean, a lot of it is going to be on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz, but anything that I take on Twitter, I'll probably repurpose on www.dabearsblog.com, which is the best possible, at least it's trying to be, the best independent bear site possible. No ads, no none of that, just hardcore bears content a film everything in the middle honestly as we get through what should be an absolutely rip-roaring good time of bears offseason i mean for as many people andrew spend all day debating this should rule and either way the bears should end up with an awesome team in 2024 the question is are they going to take what would be fun in 2024 are they going to be take what could be fun for a much longer lasting time and hey even justin fields might surprise us Nothing's impossible. Again, it's just a matter of what's likely, and we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun, I think, as we get further and further along to the process. Um, you know, we're all really excited for us here, uh, Robert, and uh, I'm sure you guys are, are just every day just chomping at the bit to get to more and more stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. For all the listeners out there, I'm just going to say, like, Robert does a lot of great stuff. Make sure to follow him on Twitter. Make sure to, to find his stuff on YouTube or the Bears blog. You know, Thank you. Uh, it, it's always – all your, your, your film breakdowns are always, always a treat. Um, and yeah, just a, a lot of exciting stuff uh, for us here at the uh, uh, Picks for Polls podcast and the Bear Report. Uh, you can follow the USA at USA, at USA Coastal on, on uh, X here, as I guess you can call it. Uh, you can follow me at AJ Freeman 25 and you can follow us at Picks for Polls on Twitter or X as well, whatever you want to call it. Um, and until next time, Bears fan, have yourself a great, good one. And uh, we'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.